like it's going to be pretty long. Okay, so before I want, I want to start by saying that uh, as a baby lion, I don't want to be mauled by a master lion like you. Okay, so I would like to ask you. Oh well, that takes all the sport out of it. I know it does, but wait till I'm because <laughs> I know you're going to maul me. But give give me some time to clarify my statement and and kind of make my argument. All right. However, however, if you want to ask any questions about what am I talking about or what do I mean, feel free to interrupt any time. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So let me see if I could start this. Uh, it's fairly long. Be patient. Okay. So since our last Skype conversation. I've had a look at many of your videos. Okay, I looked at quite a few, probably uh, probably ten or twenty videos on recovery and anesthesia very well in many areas. Uh, and I also did some further research of other adjuncts, etc. And uh, here's the thing: I believe that a crucial element in the practice of the Anapanasati Sutra is missing. Okay, that crucial element is who, the who, who is missing it. Let's define that audience also. Uh, pretty much everywhere that I've read or, or that I, uh, I probably a Western Buddhist audience would be probably a better, uh, you know, Western Buddhist audience would probably be better. To be honest with you, I'm not really sure who's missing, but I'm missing it. I, I would say that that's spot on. Congratulations. Yes, it is English language Buddhism or Western Buddhism that is missing several components. Right. And that some places in Asia, some components are missing in some places, and some places are complete. Okay. An example why, of that would that's be. Why, that's why I came to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Can I go on with uh, with that? Okay. All right. It's quite long. Quite long. So I might want to be a little bit patient until I lay out all this stuff. Okay. So. The, uh, so the, here's the, the crucial element that is missing is the common belief that the breath referred to Anapanasuddha is restricted to the movement of air in and out of the lungs. Instead of viewing it as traditionally as the breath of life or life energy, prana or chi. Let me explain. As you know, Buddha was a master yogi. In yogic understanding, there are five bodies. There's the physical body, the breath body, the prana, the mind body, the intellect body, of which you are a true master, and the bliss body. I tell you monks that this, the in and out breath, is classed as a body among bodies. Okay, so it's common knowledge among yogis that the breath can be used to control the body, emotions, and mind. And uh, in yoga, that would be called pranayama. In, chi in China, or whatever, that would be called chi, or Tai Chi, other methods. I believe that at no point in the practice of Anapanasati Sutra does the mind or intellect factor into steps one through eight, possibly until steps 12. Okay, I know this is uh, really weird. Okay, the okay. exception is, okay. Um, what you're talking before you go into this last paragraph, let's go back to the paragraph before that, which was basically talking about, uh, as it were, our phrase could be used as the breath of life. Right. 
that many people <clears throat> mistake how vitally important breathing is in so many aspects. So I often remind students that you've got a death sentence coming in two minutes. You can get a reprieve by taking a breath. But if right. you don't take this next breath, you're going to die right away. The Buddha also talks about that, and in fact, I think the name of the sutta is the uh, Mor Mortality Sutta or something like that, uh, where people will say, oh, if I could just spend one more year, or if I could just spend one more day, but one who is wise will say, this breath will do. Right. So that's how kind of important all of this is. And the Asians keep pointing back at it with language or concepts. But there is actually something very real in there. And the Buddha incorporated that into Anapanasati. And then, in fact, another way you just use the word pranayana. Anapana and pranayana are exactly the same word in two different languages backwards. Anapana and pranayana, those right. are the same words, and it has to do with either in and out or out and in. But right. it's basically, that's what anapana is, is the pana is the out-breath and ana is the in-breath. Okay. Right. Uh, so, uh, and it is life itself. That's okay. the base. The Buddha says that right there in that, that phrase that you were saying, that it is the body among bodies. Because and it, it has is, the quality of life. And it has the quality of life, which is happiness, health, and all those qualities. Precisely so. But in fact, any way that a person feels will be expressed in the way that they're breathing. That's one of the reasons why excellent psychologists watch their clients while they're breathing. Because it's actually that they you have heard in English that the eyes are the doorway to the soul. The breath okay. is the doorway to the breath is the actual soul that we're talking about. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree with that. Yes, let me continue because I have quite a bit more to say. Okay, okay back up just a bit uh, right. before you got into the numbers. Uh, not. Go back to the beginning of the paragraph where you started, because right. we were talking about the stuff before that. But okay. anyway, one yeah. the point that I want to make is, is that I agree with you 100% so far so good, and that's one of the elements that is missing in Western Buddhism. Right, and by the way, anything that I've seen of your videos, I haven't seen anything that disagrees with what I'm going to say today, by the way. So hmm. it's, it's all complementary, you know, so... Okay, so I'll, I'll go back a little bit. Uh, I believe that in no point of the practice of Anapani Sutra does the mind and intellect factor into steps one and eight, possibly until step 12. Okay, hold on. The exception is the directed thought and evaluation of the breath and breath energy, which is the main focus of this practice. Okay, did you understand what I meant by that? Yes, but it's not exactly correct. Let me add an additional point. Okay, okay. And that is, is that that's for the very, very beginner. And that, and that as we progress in practice, we begin to take various objects. That's why the sattva is set up is right. thus one trains oneself 
right, we, right. But I'm, I'm right. Thinking, wow. Uh, gonna, okay. But there's that point when we take the object of sukha itself. Right, right. That, in fact, there's two different ways of doing that. The first is, is to take it as an object in order to train the mind in sukha by gladdening the mind and beginning to control one's own feelings so that we bring up sukha. Right, that's, that's going to happen. That's the first step. That's, that's gonna, the first I'm step. Gonna that. I'm going to explain all that in the, how, how I do it. Okay, all right. Because I'm right. just getting at the beginning. Okay. okay. So their only thoughts are directed thoughts and evaluation about what you're doing with the breath. You're always you're always busy with the breath. So there should be very little thought because almost all attention and awareness is focused on the work of using the pranic breath body to calm the body, emotions, and mind. If any hindrances occur, attention is always focused back onto the breath and the work at hand. Okay? That's right. So, okay, so now what you mean by thought is discursive thought. I don't actually know how to say these things because I don't know what discursive right. thought is. Okay, so that's what, let, let's straighten that out then. Okay, yeah. when you say thought, you're right. actually in the re reference that you're saying is discursive thought. Not sure. So there are, well, that means talking to oneself or verbal communications. There is another kind yeah. of thought. Yeah. If somebody throws you a baseball and it's right. about five or six inches from your hand so that you can grab it like this, you right. don't have to tell yourself you should pick up that baseball, but you're able to have a kind of a thought that gets right. that action done. So what I'm introducing is, is there's a... What's the second one, the baseball one? They're catching, what's that called? The second well, thought. that's an action kind of thought. But it also is a kinesthetic uh, kind of thought and also observing the breath or observing the ball with the eyes was one kind of thought. Another kind of thought was an instant trajectory of where that ball is going to be sometime in the future, right. in the near future, so that the hand is there to catch yeah. it. All right. All of, in fact, that catching the ball winds up having five, six, seven thoughts, none of which were verbal. Aha, uh -huh. that's the key point I don't understand there. Okay, so I don't know how to describe it, but a lot of it is not verbal. It's just, you're just focusing your attention. There should okay. be really no, no verbal thoughts unless you're just reinforcing what's happening at the moment is what I get. Ah, so let us gain, introduce a new term, and that is how does one spend this mind moment and the next mind moment? And how do we begin to discern what is a mind moment and stop using the word thought and start using mind moments mind. and how we spend them? Because sometimes a thought will take a whole bunch of mind moments. In fact, a sentence that I'm speaking takes right. quite a number of mind moments to put that together. Right. So yeah. if you think about it in mind moments, but I just wanted to, to point out about the issue of thought you're meaning discursive thought, because while we're practicing watching the breath, we're not thinking much. And if right. we are thinking, then what we should do is to be in tune with the thinking, with what we're uh, actually experiencing. Yep. 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 The sense was, oh, this is a really nice breath would be a thought as we're actually experiencing a joy yep. of the in breath. And so we're experiencing. I don't, I don't have those kind of. I don't have those kind of thoughts. It's just focused on. 
it's like directed thoughts where you're not actually verbalizing, but you're directing your you actually focus, going to direct focus. your mind. This is where step 10 of Anapanasati comes in. But what do you call directing your mind, but not actually verbalizing it? Well, you do both. But in yeah. fact, the verbalizing is the way of the very, very beginner is by using the verbalizations so that we can get the underlying tendencies to begin to shift as well as the um, um, <clears throat> as well as the feelings. Okay, so, okay, but I think that's the crucial problem is that as a beginner, if you're verbalizing these things, you're going to miss out on the experience of experiencing the breath. Ah, this is why it is a training. Right. And you're asking as if the experience of the breath is the only thing that you've got to do. I think it's you're almost, so immersed, it's you're almost like get, get, giving this example would be that you're trying to learn how to play whack-a-mole. Right. And one of the ways to do that is by having the young child focus on one mole. And if that mole comes up, you can whack it. And if that right. mole comes up, you can whack it. And you let the other 15 go. Right. But this is not how I practice this way. It's more like you have to be aware of the whole. Exactly. So as a process, as a skill development system. Right. And so we practice a little bit and get that good. And then we practice more, just like in music. The student has to practice scales and he has to practice chords drumming or whatever that he's doing has to go through the rudimentaries. And so there are some rudimentaries that we have to practice to develop and that the whole package winds up being all of the skills that we put together. Right. But if you're playing the piano, you're immersed in it and you enjoy it. And there's not that much thoughts because you're just, you're focused and you're immersed in the, in the action of trying to get right. Ah, and when you're trying to get it right, yeah, you're busy and you're afraid of dukkha and you're not relaxed. No, that's, and that's, this is okay. what we and listen yeah. and just right. Listen. Right. Not the right word. Okay, please don't argue with me. Just listen okay. to what I have to say. Okay. Uh, and that is, is that when the student is playing the piano like that, he's not comfortable. Yeah. That's why the piano player doesn't want, when he's learning a piece, he doesn't even want his mom in the room. He wants to practice in private so that he can get it down correctly. And then when he goes on stage the first time, he's in great butterflies. He's not settled. But if he plays that same piece of music in public a thousand times over the course of five or six years, the next time he plays it, he's actually playing it and he can enjoy it because he really knows that he's got it by heart. But this is a process. Okay. And so the process is, is that we have to develop various of these skills that are, are uh, mentioned in the Anapanasati and Bhikkhu Dasa points this out. That in the beginning of the practice, we have to kind of play around with it and get some skills going. But after a while, then we start honing in on one skill and we get that one really going. And then we hone in on another skill and we get that one really going. And then we hone in on the skills of getting the package together. Right. Okay. 
this is an uh the way so there's uh there is more to be done uh and that uh, one of the important points that the way that I've just described it was the point about the um gladdening of the mind because this is exactly the way that Bhikkhu Buddha doctors talks about it. And way over on page 216 or 18 of the book is where he says, this is the first thing that's got to be done. I, I, this, I, I say, I respectfully disagree. Okay. All right. Now, if you cannot follow, all right, first off, without, let's, drop down just a little bit and go back to the whole point of practicing Anapanasati is for the fulfillment of right. other things, including turning the Eightfold and Noble Path, which is the basis of Anapanasati, right. into the Seven Factors of Enlightenment, which is the fulfillment of the Eightfold Noble Path. And Anapanasati is the practice or the process that we go through that. So if we stay back with sati and investigation and right effort, right. then that will develop samasankapa or right attitude or the bending of the mind. All right. But before we do that, the right effort is to be able to control the breath to control the mind and the thoughts, learning to control the feelings, and eventually we get down to our expectations or our basic way of looking at life that we can actually use the term attitude. Right. All right, and this is part of the Eightfold and Noble Path of learning to change our attitude. And so uh this attitude change is the attitude of i can do this i can gather these factors together and so this is the kind of way that we're looking at it from the beginning is, is that the, uh, the changing of the mind from an unwholesome thought into a wholesome thought in sutta number 117 is exactly the gladdening of the mind in Sutta number 118, and also in number 19, the two kinds of thoughts, wholesome and unwholesome. So we have to have the wholesome thoughts, whatever the kind of thought it is, and it could be a discursive thought. And those are the ones that we're going to focus in on in the uh, beginning, because uh, those are the ones that we can best control, is the discursive thoughts or would be gladdening the mind. Which means would be like, oh, I'm glad that I remembered to breathe. I'm glad that it's okay to take a deep breath. Okay. All right. And so we take that gladness and we put it on to the breathing. Right. And so okay. I don't disagree with you on that. Can I kind of finish? I, my point is okay. rather long. Okay. I'm going to start actually with uh, step one, which is Buddha Well, all of this is back to the point that you said that you disagreed with me. No, no, no I didn't disagree with you. I just uh, I disagree that gladdening, which is uh, nine in the Buddhist and Anapasati, should be one. I think it fits perfectly there. I agree with gladdening the mind. I, I don't understand what you said. No, no, I I I only disrespectfully sorry respectfully disagree. That step nine should be brought at the beginning. I think it belongs where it is as step nine. 
there's no, no, there is step nine on every phase of the whole thing. That's true also. That's true also. I agree with that statement. Let me continue. Maybe you'll understand where I'm getting at. And then you can tear me apart all you want. Okay. Actually, to be really, really honest with you, I'm not, I don't really care about where you're trying to go with this article that you've written. Uh, no, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm like, for some reason, I have this in my mind that this is the right way. And I, I know, and I'm yeah. hoping some way that yeah. I don't know that I can get you to drop that attitude. Right, but you got because this the, the attitude that you've got with it is, uh, James, is this is going to be a really, really long, slow process. And here's a way oh, of no, thinking no. about it. No, no, wait, no, think please listen. Yeah, yeah. Please listen. Okay, sorry. There are two ways of doing it. One is taking what I have to say and try to plug it into what you already believe. There is another way, more difficult, but the another way is just to take what I have to say, listen to it, understand it, put it together. And then the other parts that you have, you can fill in the gaps that way. Right. In other words, after you understand what I'm saying, you can say, oh, yeah, that's because it agrees with this, it agrees with that, and that kind of thing. This is actually the easier way for both of us. It is probably for you. <laughs> but, okay, I, but what you just said now is very relevant because, yes, I'm taking the, unless you change my mind, I'm taking the first one, which is I'm taking your great wisdom, which I can really apply to what I'm doing, and it's really helpful, okay? Because the way I'm doing it is very easy for me, right? And the second way seems very hard because I've already tried it. I've already evaluated all your videos, okay? Or some of your videos, okay? But, but let me continue. I haven't even made my point yet. So it's, if I can finally make my point, maybe I'll understand where I'm coming from. Oh, actually, I understand a whole lot about where you're coming from without you reading that article. Okay. The, the words in the article are kind of irrelevant. Okay. Okay, so now what? Well, the question is, is that do you, do you want to be able to set aside all of the stuff that you've got and listen to it in a fresh way? I have, and that's why I've been here, and that's why I've listened to many, many of your videos. Okay, all right. So, uh, let us say it this way then. Uh, let's go right to the bottom line of the argument or the, the perspective, or another way of saying it is, is that What's the most important question on your mind? And let's go from that perspective. What you got on your mind? Other than proving that you've got a long article written. That's a good point. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, I'll, as far as I'm concerned, all I'm trying to do is I'm learning, but unless I put these things into practice, I get real insight by myself. It's all useless information. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm trying to be aligned here and get down, ferret out the details, get down deep in there, 
find out what the real truth is, okay? <laughs> My practice has told me that this is the truth. All right. And, it, you know, and this, I'm, I don't know what to say. Uh, I would rather you smile than talk. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I get a little bit serious. There's no doubt about that one. Uh -huh. All right. Well, this is the way that I, I work is, is that I try to get people to notice what they're doing right in this very moment. Right. And so that's why I say I would rather you smile than than uh, than than talk. And I would like it if you could settle down and I take a deep so. breath. Yeah, thank you. And let's do some of that Anapanasati right now together. Okay. Hmm. And as we are just sitting and doing some Anapanasati, we can talk about it too. So just relaxing and taking the deep breath and saying everything is okay and everything is fine. And that's gladdening the mind. Allow the shoulders to relax. Notice any other tensions in the body and say, wow, I could just relax. Great to relax. You know, taking that breath is like being alive. It's one of the values of taking deep breaths and letting it out. You can just relax and relax. But it also allows us to energize the body and let the body become tingly alive and alert because of our breathing. So the breathing actually affects the way that we feel immediately. Just allowing it to feel good. Just taking a good deep breath and say, wow, this feels so good. And in this relaxed state, we can see that really there's no place to go, nothing to do. No words, no flirts. No right way to do it, just relax. And as we sit and relax, we recognize it all by relaxing the shoulders and relaxing the body. That helps us relax the mind and begin to slow down. So the mind relaxes and the feelings relax. We begin to feel safe. And everything is just okay. Feel safe. 
secure. Nothing's attacking at all. All of the things it could be attacking, that bucket is empty right now. There's no dangers. Oh, feels good to feel safe. Feels comfortable to feel safe. And as we feel safe and comfortable, we begin to also feel satisfied that this is good enough right now. Don't need anything special. Don't need to even understand that all right, everything is okay right now. And I'm satisfied. Learning to bring that satisfaction is sukha. And it's a skill to be developed just this way. We literally talk ourselves into it. And wow, it feels nice to be satisfied. And as we know that we can get ourselves into this, we recognize that, oh, I can do this again. I can come back and feel satisfied again and again. Wow, I know how to be satisfied. Oh, what a relief it is to know that satisfaction is just around the corner. And then we begin to get the attitude, I can do this, I can feel satisfied. I can handle anything when I'm satisfied. And so now we're practicing both Anapanasati and the Eightfold Noble Path together. Remembering to take a breath, remembering to gladden the mind, taking the effort to gladden the mind, settle ourselves down and develop sukha and pity with minds that is wholesome, thoughts not full of hindrances. So, what do you think? Don't lose think, it. Don't lose I, this. I think that you went through the way of the mind and I went through the way of the breath. Well, I could breathe all over you, but I can't do that. Because <laughs> I, I don't use any mental processes. I just, by just breathing properly, I get calm. All I right. don't need to actually say anything to myself. Okay. Until you do. I don't because I'm so busy in the breath that I hardly ever have thoughts. Right if now, I'm not, I, now you're talking. I mean, in normal, but no, obviously I'm not, I'm not well practiced. I'm good in a, in a meditative. Here's, here's the point. Is, is that it's important to learn how to develop wholesome thoughts rather than trying to drop them all together. 
And when you learn to control the thoughts, then you begin to see them more clearly rather than just getting rid of them because when they come back, they come back with a vengeance. It's better to learn to control them. And how do you control them? In a way, you have to control the mind in order to control the breathing anyway if you're controlling the breathing. I'm probably not using the right terms. I mean, I might might want to say more like we call it hindrance thoughts. Or because if I'm not, if I am in a peaceful place, okay, because obviously if I'm like right now, I'm very excited or, or if I have like a, a problem in life, then that's going to obviously, you know, affect my peacefulness, right? But if I am in a very peaceful place, normally when I do either meditation, it's just a matter of focusing on the breath sensations, expanding those sensations throughout the body. PT naturally develops everywhere. When there's PT, you bathe in the PT. The PT becomes sukha, and it just naturally flows. All right. That's not the issue. I give you credit for all of that, by the way. Congratulations. You're doing some things right. Probably the only thing. Okay, so. All right. So I'm giving you credit for that. There's no problem with that. But let me ask you this kind of question, and that is, is that you already uh, said that there are times when you're really agitated. There are times when your shoulders are up. There are times when you're on guard. All right. Like right now. All right. So then how do you get yourself back into that meditative state? I usually use the, the breath meditation, which is I breathe in. I start by first breathing as uh as when do you do that when you're agitated if i'm very agitated it's going to take me a while to get back there all right so let's work on that then as a skill to be developed basically how you would do that is by talking yourself into it or remembering that, hey, I know that I can get myself back into that state, and now you've just had a wholesome thought. You've just had a gladdening of the mind kind of thought. You're having these gladdening of the mind kind of thoughts, and you're not giving yourself credit for them because you're too focused on, I've got to do it one way, rather than recognizing that you're doing it in all of the right ways already a little bit, and that eventually we take each one of these steps of Anapanasati and really focus in on that one and make it a skill. But in the beginning, we have to use all of them. And so you have been using the mind to gladden the mind. Now let's start paying attention to the fact that you're already doing that and let's focus on more of it so that you intentionally do things like right now, gladden it. Let me see you do that. Okay, all right, now I'm getting it. Yeah, that's what we need to do. We need to focus in on doing some of these other things. And the important thing here is, is this issue that, in fact, it's when you were talking about in the beginning, uh, talking about what Western Buddhism is missing would be uh, the body of the breath. Also, 
the Western meditation, uh, Western Buddhism whole system misses out on this idea of gladdening the mind intentionally, which is in so many suttas. It's unbelievable how this big, big issue is so strongly missed by Westerners. And here you are having direct resistance against it. I don't have the resistance, but I, 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 it's not the resistance I have. I, following Buddha Dasas and uh, Sutta, I'm thinking that grinding of the mind is done after you breathe it, then after you calm your emotions. Because how do you define the mind? Because the mind. You're only doing it in one context. Yeah. Okay, that's like saying this is exactly the way that I hold and play the violin when I'm laying in bed. Right. But when I'm on stage, I'm not going to hold the violin like that. I'm going to hold it differently. Right. Okay. Okay. The context makes it different. And the question is, how can you develop the skill of gladdening the mind right. if you don't practice the skill of gladdening the mind so that when you need to gladden the mind the most, you can't do it? Right. You'll I stay agitated. I was practicing the other skills first because of the, the progression in the sutta. Precisely so, and I would like for you to be introduced to the fact that that's not the correct way. That is the way that is called the organized method. Right. It's taught organized, but it's practiced naturally. Okay. Okay. But I touched on this okay. last time. When no, we, I thought we, we never finished it, though. Is that, I never got the complete picture of... What gets practiced first, later, or? All right. Well, guess what? We're not even going to be able to finish all of that in this conversation either. Okay. But I'm trying to get that. But I, I know, I know. You're you're kind of in a hurry. Not and, hurry. and that um, a better way of looking at it is is that less practice right from the beginning and all along. Let's yeah. practice these things of Anapanasati in our conversation while we're discussing them. In other words, if we're actually having a conversation about Anapanasati and can't even practice it then, <laughs> how could we hope to be able to practice Anapanasati while we're in the bank or in the immigration office or be in handcuffs? Great. Ah, this is where the gladdening of the mind quality comes in, is, is that, yes, it, it's needed right from the very beginning, but it's also needed to be developed as a skill. Uh, have you seen the movie The Life of Brian? I might have, but I don't remember. Monty, a Monty Python movie has the song, has the song Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Right. Okay, you, you hear? All right. Well, that actually is an attitude. And that part of the practice of Anapanasati is to change our attitude about life. Mm -hmm. And so this is actually that attitude is the poly word uh, Sankapa, 
that is translated as either right thought or right intention. But you could say that actually it's a little bit deeper than thought because the attitude that you have determines the thoughts that you have. Exactly. Well, that means that if now if we're intentionally having thoughts, never mind what our attitude is, right now we're intentionally having thoughts of gladdening the mind, and that begins to have the intentions or uh, the samasankapa or the underlying attitude or uh, one student recently used the word expectations that on the in-breath he's okay but at the top of the in-breath we chased it down to that but specifically on the out-breath he peeled spear and then uh, it came that there was the expectation that something could go wrong and then the fear comes because of that expectation. Well, the expectation is what we're talking about, or that attitude is what we're actually working on changing, is the attitude that everything is okay. The attitude of, I've got this wired. The attitude of, hot dog, this is marvelous. The attitude of what? That was, that duke missed me. The slings and arrows of outrageous fortune do not dent the armor because I've got no armor. But it don't hit because I got out of the way. The eye is moving so fast that I get dodged. Or, or, or the, we play dodgeball with all of the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune with the right attitude. Okay, and so it's this attitude that we're developing, and we do that with um, uh, the feelings of sukha and pity. And when sukha and pity are there, then that means that we're developing the attitude so that uh, in sutta number 48, there is a statement that talks about hindrances referring to them as hindrances and also using the word that is translated as obstructions. And you can see that it, hindrances and obstructions are the same. And then the statement is made that uh, when the student knows for sure, without a doubt, that no matter how obstructed or hindered this situation or the mind is in this moment, we can clean all of that out come back to the reality of the moment, see things how they actually are. No matter what happens, I can handle it. This is, in fact, now called the first knowledge. The first knowledge on the path. The first knowledge of the path. Because this knowledge is on the path, it is noble, it is supramundane, and this is an attitude that is not held by ordinary people. This view, this view, this understanding that it does not matter what happens, I can handle it. Okay, like as a teacher, it does not matter what has uh, is said about me on the internet. I can handle that. Okay, go along with that. Okay, so that's just an example. It doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter how many police there are surrounding this house with their bullhorns blazing. I can handle that. Is that equanimity? Well, no, it's an attitude. 
The equanimity eventually comes by as a byproduct of this attitude. Right. Equanimity, actually, you could say that pity is the big one, sukha is the satisfactory one, and upeka is even complete satisfaction of nothing. Right. Okay, so that that's the way of looking at it. Opeka is, uh, but then how do we develop the sankapa? Is by developing the pity and the sukha, and how we develop the pity and the sukha is by gladdening the mind, and how we gladden the mind is by changing unwholesome thoughts or hindrances into wholesome thoughts. That's the problem I have right now. I don't agree with that. Pardon? I have a problem because I don't agree with that. Uh, what sutta would you like to read that would uh, give that? One eighteen. Okay, well, how about reading 117? Also, no, we're on 118. pardon? We're on 118 right now. No, we are actually going, um, more, than, more than likely, we're still on 117, uh, 117 because 117 is where we learn how to practice Anapanasati. Right. What I was trying to say is that. By just breathing properly, you can gladden your mind. Uh, that's not the only way. I agree. I agree fully. Okay. I agree. And this is the crust here that we're talking about today is that there's a mind method and there's a breath soul breath method and this is where i'm coming from it's very hard for me to express it but there's no need to actually gladden your mind with words you can just use the breath energy ah and so long as you go that way that means when the te- when things are tense, the hindrances will still be there. That you have to find a way of fixing the hindrances. That's the steps four, five, six, seven, eight, which is calming your body fabrications, right? Your mind fabrications, your mind, and that's how you do that with breath energy. Yes, I understand that. And I also understand that that's actually more Hindu than it is in the Buddhist method. It could be. It, it probably is. And maybe all this is may just be Ajahn Lee and Buddha Dasa uh, going to India, learning some of that and introducing it. And that it was never in the Buddhist uh, Anapanasati. And I'm just uh, Actually, no, what I'm saying is different than that is the part that you're missing, and that is the changing of the mind intentionally from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts, which is referred to also as gladdening the mind. Right. I I would say that in the way you say it, I completely agree, because you're actually alive. You bring Buddhist teachings to life, to right here and now. And here I am stuck in, I'm trying to do the Anapanasati Sutra correctly in a sitting meditation, right? right? Which is, I agree with you fully that no, I should be doing this in everyday life. 
Well, what's the point of doing the meditation up in the corner? What's the point? Because that sutra says that a monk goes into some isolated place and, you know, and she sits down. That's why, you know, and, and here you are. And I really appreciate you're actually a very live, you bring life to the teachings. Okay. Well, here's something quite interesting about that, then. Uh, and that is, is that, uh, and, and you may be the first student I've had that answers the question differently than most. And that is, uh, and that if you answer yes to this question, I can arrange accommodations for you. But the question is, do you want to sit on the floor in front of some Buddha Rupa or some Ashton's uh, uh, idol 14 to 16, maybe 20 hours a day for the next 18 years, day after day, and only getting up to go to the toilet, or no. perhaps for a few years, you'll lay down on the floor in the meditation hall, but then you'll learn to sit up 24 hours a day. Or do you want to live that life? Let me answer that, okay? This is how I do it. Actually, I do most of my practice walking, doing yoga. In other words, I actually do the anapasati uh, practice doing yoga poses, okay? So I, each pose, I actually go through all the breathing, fully the body, get the electric energy all over, trying to get silk and all that kind of stuff, breathe properly. Okay, all right. Let us just change that that you don't leave that meditation hall but you can walk you can sit down you can lie down you can jump up and down you can stand whatever like that we're not talking about poses right now i'm talking about do you want a life of meditation and nothing else no obviously not well i already know that <laughs> because 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 if you had said yes to that question, you'd be talking to me right here on the porch, not in <laughs> across right. Skype. And I, and I may be, by the way, I might be going to, are you in Kasamui? Uh, actually, uh, from many places on this island, Kasamui can be seen. Okay. It's uh, 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 about 20 kilometers from here. Very nice. I wouldn't want to impose myself on you with my. Uh... You couldn't possibly. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, but I agree with you, and I agree with you fully that I need to put this into more difficult practices, especially when you're talking to people and all that. But I'm nowhere. I'm a beginner. I'm just trying to, like you said, you have to, you know, develop the skills. I agree with everything you say. There's nothing you've said that doesn't. That doesn't, you know, doesn't come into factory. All right. Well, let us continue then from that perspective that this is the missing piece for Western Buddhism. Right. Uh, actually, we've nailed down two pieces that are absolutely essential pieces, and, boot, and Western Buddhism is missing them both. One is the importance of the breath, which you and I are spot on about. That not is the breath just important philosophically, but it is important for the next five minutes for a matter of life or death. Also, it is life giving and that uh, many things uh, depend upon that. And that the Buddha also, I think that we can agree 
that the Buddha talks about it in the sense that um, we have to control the breathing. That it's a long breath, not just any old breath will do, but actually that the, the, to be even to get into the breath, it has to be somewhat controlled. That it's conscious. That I would it's, go much, much, much more further than that. I would say that your whole energy and all your attention is on developing all the factors of the breath. Okay, all right. So you agree with that. That's the part that's missing in Western Buddhism. That's the point that we're making is, is that you and I are on the, the same page of the importance of the breath and learning to control the breath and being there with the breath and all of that is completely missing in the Western version of Mahasi Saladal, where they say, or the Gawanka method, just watch the breath or just note the breath, but not actually learn to control the breath. Okay, so the next point and the breath energy, which is very important. The the the, the what do you yes, call it? Okay, okay. We just talked well, we just talked about that in the sense of energizing the body. Right, right, right. Or making the body tingly alive. No, or but you can move the sensations, right? You can actually now, move by the, the way, people. here's here's a point yeah. that's, that we can develop also, and that is is that when you use the word pity, it is often described as physical, but the actual reality is mental. Just like sukha is mental. I, I don't know. Well, I'm telling you so that you can figure it out rather yeah. than automatically disagreeing because it's something that you haven't heard before. I'm adding something new for you I, to just I, take in and look at. And experience I, thought was, I thought that PT was actually the chi, the prana. Well, let's not get magical in our thinking and let's look at realities for a moment. It's my reality. Well, here's the point is, is that the language that we use can be ordinary real language without adding words that are almost always magically understood. Right now. Let's yeah. go back to the point that and give this example that at a football game, let us say even a world champion or a Super Bowl or something like that, that the event happens that everybody that went there for some of them up and down, but the touchdown is made. What does the guy who made the touchdown, that football player, what does he do immediately after? All right, you got it. The exhilaration that was right. attitude, but it also had a lot of other stuff in it. And you can believe me that while he's running down the field, he's doing some heavy breathing. Okay. Now, here's the point about that. That moment is the pity, the exhilaration, the wind, the pumping. And it's okay. an attitude. It's mental as well as physical. Okay. Okay. I'll leave that. I'll accept that. All right, there we go. There we yeah. go. I got one. Spread yeah. <laughs> that one in. <laughs> if we understand that, then that means that we can work with that. By the way, you and I just had it. That was the pity. Yeah, I did. No, I have been having it because of the way I've been breathing just now, breathing everywhere in my body through all my pores. <laughs> okay. Well, just letting you know. 
yeah. that we're we're watching what's going on, that that was a moment of pity. All right, that win, we've got it. And that's the whole idea is, is that when we develop the attitude of winning, yeah. then that pity comes on much easier than if you have to bring it only from the body. That we use the mind, and here's the other point, which is a very important point. How could you possibly control the breath without the mind? Let us say you were dead or asleep or something like that. Okay, so when you're controlling the breath, you're actually controlling the mind to control the breath. If you're going to control the mind to control the breath, you can also use the mind to control the pity as well right right and if you can use the mind to control the breath then we can use the mind to learn to control the thoughts that we have so that we can gladden the mind and this will also help with the sukha and with the pity so this winds up being a combination deal here of the mind the body and the feelings right and the mind is the key because the mind is the forerunner for everything Right. Okay, so the mind is the forerunner, which means sati. We have to wake up and remember, and then look at what's going on. And this is the mind. And then the next part is is that we have to then gladden the mind or begin to remember, oh, I'm I'm going to breathe. This is part of the gladdening of the mind, is remembering to do that. But it's such an automatic process that I'm immersed in the ah so this is why i'm asking you to stop having it done automatically and start looking at the mechanisms to see what's going on no but i mean it's it's it was as you said you don't want to hear that let me say it again no no no, i heard it but i was just saying i did that at the beginning at the beginning i did that well can you do that while you're getting arrested can you do that oh, while no. they're war, war, uh, no. hauling you into the med, uh, into the no. emergency room? Okay. No. Well, let's work on how to develop those skills is by recognizing that we have to learn to control the mind. Right. And that the easy way to do that is by changing the kind of thought we have from a regular, ordinary, unwholesome thought into a wholesome thought. And the Buddha is really tough on that. I can name you so many suttas that this is in. I completely agree. I understand where you're going coming from here. I'm just stuck in the how to do this sutra. That's why. That's why I have so many weird comments, right? And if you understand where I'm coming from, instead of here and now, day to day, we're at the hospital and we really need to get a wholesome thought, right? Mm-hmm. My mind is right now focused on how do I, at the very basic, develop the starting skills, right? Well, have of, a wholesome thought right now. Yeah. Have a wholesome thought right now. Everything is good enough right now. It is. You it have is. to practice that. I have. I have ever since. Uh, wait, that wait, I, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not. Uh, I am. I am. All right. Okay. All right. Let's stay with the present moment, not the past. This is the way that we practice every time we remember, is to remember that you don't have to think about what you were thinking about. 
you can think about what you want to think about and what you want to think about actually is Anapanasati. Recognize that you have that change of mind. And you're changing it from an unwholesome, whatever it was that you were doing, into remembering that you're going to practice Anapanasati. And that's the wholesome thought right there. Right. So I'm just let's trying start. To justify myself, and that's what this whole unwholesome thought was. Oh, I've got to write that email. The boss is really hot right now. Oh, never mind. Oh, I'd rather practice Anapanasati. That's the change from worried about the email and the boss and all the problems of life. And right now, I don't have to do that. Right now, I can just sit and enjoy. Those are the thoughts that we begin to change. We begin to gladden the mind. Okay. okay. And so, Sutta number 19, there's a story. And the story is about the cow uh, herd. Now, this is not... Uh, 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 <laughs> this is not uh, uh, rawhide. This is not drovers with thousands of cows. This is an old Indian, and he's got four, five, eight, ten, whatever like that. And he's got to get them out of his uh, house along the path that is a village. And he's got to get these cows through the village. And so what he does is he walks right in the middle of them and watching them around. And if any one of those cows tries to get a carrot or get an apple or tries to step on a child or runs into the laundry, he's going to whack them. Right. And as he keeps whacking these cows to get them in line, he gets his way through the village so he can take them to the feeding ground where there's stalks and, and uh, stubble and things like that. And now the cows have their head down. And they're grazing. Now the cowherd doesn't have to stand there whacking his cows with a stick. Now the goat, uh, the cowherd can go sit under a tree, but he's still going to keep one eye on these cows to make sure that they're grazing, rather than one looks up and says, oh, I like something way over yonder and heads off. No, the cowherd needs to watch that. Okay. So this is the, this is in the sutta where the Buddha first off talks about what is a wholesome thought and what is an unwholesome thought. And then he reckons about the, the cows trying to get the, the groceries. That's an unwholesome thought. And the cow herd whacks that cow with a stick. Or as one student thought about it was the, uh, the rawhide. He's whip, cracking the whip. In the uh, in another sutta, it talks about the Buddha saying uh, the phrase "Aha, I see you, Mara." Right. Okay, and that's the that's the 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 crack of the the stick. After the the cows are now in order and going down the path, he still needs to keep them on the path. But once they get to the grazing ground, now he can relax. All right, but. Okay. These the grazing then is the cows having one wholesome chew or cut after another, one wholesome after another, and not having unwholesome thoughts. And that uh, the cow herd going under the tree represents that now that we have one wholesome thought after another, we can begin to put gaps in there. The other way of doing it is, is that whatever thoughts we're having, we're putting gaps in there. I understand both of those. 
which means then that the next thought that does come up is likely to be an unwholesome thought because the last thought you did have was an unwholesome thought. But if we train the mind to have one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought, then when we go into that gap where there is no thoughts, then the likelihood of the next thought that we have, because we've been training the mind, is now going to be a wholesome thought. So this is the representative of uh, the cowherd going and sitting under the tree is the same as the second jhana, which we now we're focused on how good we feel. We're relaxed. Rather than keeping an eye on strongly and whacking those cows. So one's right effort is that stick. And that is to change that unwholesome thought to a wholesome thought. And that's also in sutta number 117, one's right effort to change that thought from an unwholesome thought to a wholesome thought. This is also in Sutta number 39, where the Buddha is talking about the hindrances and giving five examples of hindrances uh, and how we're freed with them. And I'll give a, a great detail, but one of them is getting out of prison. That when we're in hindrance, we're in prison. All right, paying off our debts, because when we want things, that means we owe a debt to that thing to get it. But when we don't have any wants or anything, then we don't own anything, which means we don't have any debts to pay. Another one would be um, when when we're having thoughts of unwholesome, that's the same as having a, a mind is sick. And so when we finish with the hindrances, that means that our mind is now like getting out of the hospital. Boy, don't you feel good? I mean, checking out of the hospital feels a whole lot better than checking into one. Okay, that's where we're coming from with this, is that we got to rid of the mind of those hindrances. And the way to do that is not by cutting out all thoughts or discursive thoughts, and then have only the thoughts of watching, but we actually begin to intentionally change the discursive thoughts from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts. All right, and then I've already mentioned Sutta number 48, where the Buddha is talking about that when we have these instructions, obstructions removed, then that begins to build that confidence of, I can do this. Can I ask what? you a question? Yeah. Okay, I understood what you said now. I'm just wondering if a further goal is to slow down the thoughts to only the very useful wholesome thoughts because some thoughts are eventually the answer right. to that is eventually okay. but not making that as the goal but rather the just the outcome of uh starting to look at whatever thought you're having throughout the day right. and recognizing that you have a choice and you can think the kind of thoughts you want to think rather than the kind of thoughts that just randomly happen Right. In other words, instead of the cow herd, just letting the cows go all over the village doing whatever damage they can, he's right. going to keep those thoughts in line. Right. And I, I understand that. I've been practicing that already. But obviously, now that you've taught me quite a few things, uh, you know, about landing the mind right away, uh, introducing, you know, wholesome thoughts right away in daily life we're talking about here. Mm hmm. Well, those are the two points that Western Buddhism is missing right. big time is right. the value okay. of the breath and the value of controlling the mind to make the thoughts wholesome. 
wholesome and then eventually have only the thoughts that are really useful for the Dhamma path. Well, if you get that that deep into it, yes, but then you're not going to leave the meditation hall. No, no, I'm talking about in everyday life, or at least this is ideal, but in other words, so you're actually living a wholesome life. You're, you know, you're happy. (laughs) All right. Um, So an example of that would be driving a car. I don't drive much. In fact, I think I've driven like one time, which was only a block from here, to go pick up a student who was lost. Right. In two years. Right. Okay. Okay. So that would be an example of it because it is extremely difficult to drive a car and not have low class ordinary thoughts dealing with low class ordinary other drivers. Stress, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you can find ways of isolating yourself so that you can maintain wholesome thoughts. I do. I do. Okay. I do. That's my whole life is making things simple. Get rid of everything that's unwholesome. All right. Well, if that's the case, then this this teaching that we've had today is there's nothing to it for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, This is a practice, right? This is a practice. So it's not a, you know, I'm just a beginner. So it's just a practice of I've, I've done, I've done concrete steps of getting a lot of stuff out. It's a, it's a process. I still have, you know, a lot of things. There's more and more and more to, to get okay. rid of. Here's another way of looking at it is, is that, uh, if there is rubbish, that rubbish will eventually just rot and go into the ground all by itself. Right. But wouldn't it be a whole lot more fun if we stayed in the kitchen instead of just letting all the garbage that was there pile up, that we actually cleaned the room out? Right. Okay. This is what we mean by then cleaning out the mind means cleaning out the unwholesome thoughts. Right, right. And so uh, paying attention to this cleaning process that we're going to actually stop thinking about things that are not useful, valuable, and wholesome and start thinking about things right now that are useful, valuable, and wholesome. Like taking in the next breath. I mean, that's really a valuable thing to do. It'll keep you alive. I understand now that I'm just, I was under the mistaken impression that I had to master the first 12 steps before I could even go into that area of what you're, of what you're so good at. Okay, no, you don't have to master anything other than sukha. That's the only thing that you have to master. Why is uh, the sukha so important for mastery? Is because that's what the Buddha teaches. Dukkha. And the end of dukkha requires satisfaction in order to be not dissatisfied. So is it unhelpful to, for example, what is the mind? Okay, and there's there's five bodies that I mentioned earlier. You have the mind, body, and the intellect. You're using the intellect to condition the mind. Well... Uh, I don't have to use the word intellect. I can just use the mind conditioning the mind. Right, right. Yeah. 
I use okay. the intellect for operating the PC. Okay, I mean, th th these definitions are pretty hard to, I mean, how do you, how would you do number nine, okay, which is being aware of the mind? Is this a simple of, of hey, well, my mind. Paying attention to what you're thinking, paying attention to what you're looking at, paying attention to what the mind is doing. Okay, yeah. For instance, if you're twiddling your thumbs, do you know that you're twiddling your thumbs? If so, what part of the mind is twiddling the thumbs? Because the thumbs are not twiddling by themselves. Right, right, right. Okay, stop looking at it as a practice, but use it in everyday life. Well, I mean, that's, that's all you've got. I mean, instead of looking at it philosophically, look right. at it as this is what is. This right. is it. Right, okay. Okay. And what is what is concept or number eleven concentrating the mind or whatever that is supposed to be? Well, actually, um, that's a bad translation. The Pali is using the word um, samati, right? And the word samati was a well-known, well-understood word in the time of the Buddha. But by the time the uh, uh, I.B. Honer and Riles Davies and all got a hold of it, it was a dead language and they had to try to figure it out. And so they came up with the definition of samadhi as concentration and they missed the point almost completely. Right. If anything, samadhi is exactly backwards from concentration. Okay, what does samadhi actually mean? It means... Um, uh, uh, one place in Sutta number 117, it talks about that uh, right area samati or sama area samati is right unification and organization of the mind. When the mind becomes whole and unified. The word is also used as samati for first jhana because all of the factors that are needed are there unified. Number one, lack of hindrances. Number two, pitti. Three, sukha. Number four, applied mind. What are you applying it to? Wholesome thoughts. And sustained mind. What are you sustaining? Wholesome thoughts. And when you put all those things together as samati, you have not only the first jhana, but you have the mind organized and unified and fit for work. This What's is how we use the word samati. So the, the uh, uh, step uh, number 11 um, would be, uh, I'm not sure which is 10 and which is 11 because they go right. together because the organization of the mind is the same as the freeing up of the mind. Oh, 11, 11 is, uh, is concentrating, my 12 is releasing. Okay, well, then 11 the, we're talking about, yeah. Uh, right, well, 11 and 12 are the same thing, though. The okay, freeing okay. of the mind or the liberation of the mind is the same thing as uh, stopping the battle between the various parts of the mind and letting the mind be unified and organized. Right. Okay. And, and the way that we that learn six. What's the difference between that and six? What's the difference between uh, eleven and twelve and six when you're developing? You know, when you're bathing in sukha. Well, I don't know who gave you the word bathing. Okay, let me see if I can read that. Hold on a second. Uh, don't bother. I don't. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. Let us look at instead the way that it actually is said as that. First off, understand sukha is exactly yeah. the opposite of dukkha. Right. 
Not only is it true in the Pali, but to prove that it's true, it's the same in the Thai language because they've incorporated Dung and Suk over hundreds of years. And also in the Gujarati language, it's um, uh, uh, Duki and Suki. And so the various languages have this pair, which means if we're actually practicing Sukha, we're practicing satisfaction, or we're actually practicing being not dissatisfied. We're not in dukkha. Right. And so we have to practice that as a skill. It's not a blissful place. It's a satisfactory place. Just a place and the attitude, Dan, of I can do this anytime I want to is also the quality of yippee ki kaye We've got it now. That's the pity and that's the mental part of the pity. But as you see, when I describe it, i got to use my hands. It's also part of the physical body. It's part of the breathing. And so the pity is just not body alone. It is mind and body and feeling. But it is control, mind, body, and feeling. All of them have the quality. In fact, if you're not comfortable, if the body is uncomfortable, how can you be satisfied? That makes no sense at all. And yet you see people practicing uh, anapana or other kinds of meditation and suing it for a long time and the body becomes uncomfortable. Right. Well, Anapanasati is a practice for getting the body comfortable, not uncomfortable. So that's the whole point, though, that that's Western meditation is, is that they are looking at it from the wrong angle. The whole point is getting the mind into a state of sukha. How do we do that? Is by changing our thoughts. From an unwholesome thought to a wholesome thought, and then we change our feelings slowly but easily enough, soon enough, we change our feelings from unwholesome feelings of fear, doubt, guilt, anxiety, depression, you name them, into the wholesome thoughts of feeling safe, secure, comfortable, satisfied. Can I just do that by breathing also? Yes. And then... What are you going to do when you need to have wholesome thoughts? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. So you're looking at it only from sitting on the floor, and we've already determined you're not going to be sitting on the floor all the time. I know, but I mean, in everyday life, I can breathe to relax also and, and get that piti and some soka. But, but uh, yeah, if, uh, if I am in what do you call it, agitated mode, obviously I'm not going to get into that PTM. So well, not, not with one or two breaths, but if you've developed no. the, the skill of uh, wholesome thoughts, then you can get into that state within one or two breaths. Okay. Okay. That's a good point. Took me an hour and twenty minutes to make a point. <laughs> no, you, no you've, you've made it before many times. You've made it many times. It's just some of us are, you know, just different. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we just need somebody to. No, basically, what we can say is sometimes people are stuck on what they already know, 
Right. And then it's really hard to let something new in. Yeah, in this case, yes, correct. Mm -hmm. No, this is that's true in every case with every student. Yeah. That's I'm why I have to keep poking at it from all different directions. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, uh, you're right. I mean, why am I being stuck on the format or the the way it's supposed to flow? Just work on here and now, and you know, and and and, that's the most and, important du thing. and dukkha dukkha naroda, which is the yeah, teaching of the Buddha, which, which is means the most important thing after all. Time. Get yourself into a state of satisfaction, which right. is the right organization of the mind. Which is also freedom. Yeah, it is. What, what are you freed from? You're freed from the hindrances because you know how to control your own mind. <laughs> OK, I think that does it. Uh, that. Uh... There's no, no we're questions. just getting started. Okay. I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know where to go from here because. Uh, I do. Yeah, OK. But you go uh, practice this for a while. Let's hear some right. results based upon what we're talking about. You begin to look into thoughts and recognize that the number right. one right effort is to change the thoughts from unwholesome to wholesome thoughts until you really convince that that's really the job that you need to do right now. Why? Because you've already developed some of the other skills. Let's go get the one that you're missing. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. All right. So we'll see you in a couple of days or three or four or something. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, yeah. Okay. We'll see you later, James. Thank you so much. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.